Welcome to the Italian Wine Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Vinitali International Wine and Spirits Exhibition. The 54th edition of Vinitali was held from 10 to the 13th of April. If you missed it, don't worry. Go to vinitaliplus.com for on-demand recordings of all the sessions from the exhibition. And remember to save the date. The next edition of Vinitali will be held from the 2nd to the 5th of April 2023. Welcome to Iconic Women in Italian Wine on the Italian Wine Podcast. This recording was taken from a seminar that took place during Vinitali 2022. Listen in to this unprecedented, unique session that included two competing wine writers and seven renowned wine producers sharing a stage to tell their stories. This was a meeting of hearts, minds, and wines, a showcase of the communication skills of women who were able to pool their resources and put aside differences to come together for the greater good of the entire Italian wine sector. Welcome to the iconic woman in Italian wine. Let me get the first slide. Look at that while I'm skiing. I know the men cannot look and listen at the same time, but I think the woman can, right? So let's try that. So this is the iconic woman in Italian wine. Just make sure you're in the right room. My name is Stevie Kim. I have the greatest pleasure, and you have no idea that um, what we are, we are able to gather here today for several reasons. The most important for this um, absolutely unprecedented meeting of the line with um, Monica Lana that you see and Alison Napius, both well-established veterans in the wine world. So let's give it up for Monica and Alison. So just in case you don't know who Allison is, Allison joined Wine Spectator in 2000 and was promoted to senior editor in 2012 and now is also the tasting director since 2016. She is the lead taster for wines of Spain, France, Champagne, Alsace regions, South Africa, and luckily, luckily also Italy. So... All of Italy, except, of course, uh, Bruce takes care of Piemonte and Tuscany for now, at least. Um, then Monica, Monica Lana. She has written for La Publica. She's a little bit more Italian from Rome, uh, Business Week, International Herald Tribune. And since 2003, she had joined Wine Enthusiast as Italy-based correspondent. Um, and now her current role, which is 2013, she is the lead reviewer for Italy for Robert Paca Wine Advocate. Monica Lana for Robert Paca Wine Advocate and Alison Napius for Wine Spectator. It's kind of like, it takes me a little bit to say all that in one breath, right? Um, of course, they're natural rivals for readership and prestige have crossed all the historic boundaries between their publications in order to show the wine world the power of 
women to unite. It's always been a long-standing dream for me. I've been working on this for three years, even before the pandemic, to unite the forces of these two leading wine critics and journalists to guide a tasting together. So yes, there will be obviously be um, a bit of wine tasting, yes. So you have the glasses in front of you. However, what I'm really, really interested in is um, in what they, how they can facilitate the stories of these seven iconic woman-led Italian wineries. So seven iconic women, seven signature wines, giving voice to the history and narrative that reveals the true soulfulness of Italian wine. We have spoken to Monica, Allison, we've spoken a lot about this on the Zoom prior to coming, uh, joining you today. Some of you have approached me and asked me, how did this happen? I think the more appropriate question, um, frankly, is how come this hadn't happened before? Why didn't this happen before, right? Why not? Competing wine writers have never hosted such events before. Um, wine writing has a lot to do with competition, as we all know, between magazines, between the writers themselves, and certainly among readership. Wine writing is based upon opinions and personal analysis with the most technical, elegant, exacting, alluring tasting notes carrying a lot of weight and shaping careers in the sector. These two female wine critic titans are collaborating for the first time to create a once-in-a-lifetime event featuring seven equally iconic producers from Italy. So in the beginning, I, I got that from Webster's Dictionary. I Googled that because we, I think we discussed what we should call this. I was really keen on um, iconic women in Italian wine, and I was a little bit persistent. And so as you can see, even just the example, it mentions wine. So I said, this is destiny. We have to, it has to be about iconic women in Italian wine. So the lineup for the iconic women, Marilisa Legrini of Amarono Pain, Albiera Antinori, the queen of Super Tuscan, Chiara Boschis, Elisabetta Corradori, one woman pioneer from Trentino, Elena Fucci, genius of volcanic soils, Priscilla Incisa de la Rochetta, heiress to legendary Sassicaia. And when I finished, Ariana Occupinti, firebrand from Sicily. These women will each present their signature wines, telling their personal stories with the support and engagement, of course, of Monica and Allison. As with the journalists, you know, the producers, I love the Italians, but they're incredibly individualistic, uh, talented. These producers have been competitors for many years, not just amongst themselves, but of course with everybody else, in some cases for many, many generations. They represent five different regions of Italy, and their ages span over 40 years. Their wines reach out for market share and prominence across global markets. And yet today, they come together to share their wines and their stories in the name and hope. Thank you, Allison and Monica, for joining me on this journey. 
and for having accepted this challenge, as well as, of course, these iconic women in front of you today. So let's get started and let's have some fun. I think Monica is going to speak to us first. Monica? Thank you. Thank you, Allison. Thank you very much. I was hoping we would be seeing the end of virtual wine tastings and Zoom meetings, but here I am, unfortunately with great regret and disappointment, joining you by video link from my hotel in Verona, just a few kilometers away from where you are seated today. I tested positive for COVID yesterday, but I'm extremely grateful to find out before setting foot inside the crazy and frenetic world of in Italy, where I surely would meet so many dear friends and colleagues that I have not seen in two long years. I'm very sorry that I cannot be with you in person for this historic tasting. When Stevie proposed the idea of doing a seminar on the iconic women of Italian wine, Allison and I were immediately receptive and excited by the idea. What I personally found most compelling is that I would have the opportunity to present beautiful Italian wines with a colleague who works for a magazine that shares market space with my own. I don't believe the Wine Spectator and Robert Parker Wine Advocate have ever collaborated on anything. And with a certain amount of smug certainty, I suspect that our male colleagues at these publications or other competing magazines would never pull resources together in this fashion. Can you imagine? This is what makes this masterclass different from anything that has ever been done in the past. I want to underline how groundbreaking this collaboration is. There are so many important benefits to us working together. As I sit here in isolation in my hotel room, I think about all the troubles and bad news that we have endured in recent times. It has been overwhelming and very scary, but no matter whom I speak with, one theme always emerges. We are all burning with a desire for new beginnings, new chapters, living together and enjoying being together. It doesn't take much to read between the lines. That's what this masterclass is really about. Inclusivity, camaraderie, working together, pulling resources for a common purpose, creating togetherness. The seven women seated before you immediately agreed to participate in this seminar. They instantly recognized the spirit of this exercise and they joined our efforts with matching enthusiasm and emotion. It is amazing how seamlessly and how effortlessly this seminar came together. Keeping in theme, we asked each participant to share a wine or a vintage that is important to them on a personal level. Maybe it represents a special achievement, or maybe it coincides with an important moment in the life of its creator. Hopefully, we'll have a chance to talk about some of those reasons when we explore the wines together. Allison and I believe that there is a profound soulfulness to Italian wine. And maybe, just maybe, that special spirit is what sets Italian wine apart from all the rest. Is, is that what makes it special? That it's that that makes vino italiano different and attractive to a growing population of young and savvy wine lovers. Let's find out together. Thank you.
All right, thank you, Stevie and Monica, for those wonderful introductions. Um, you know, Monica, I think you really told the heart and emotion behind this masterclass, and I'm very pleased to be presenting here with everybody, Monica, Stevie, and all the wonderful wine producers. Now, I'd like to speak for a moment about the thoughts behind this, um, the cerebral part of the experience. The title is Iconic Women in Italian Wine, but we're in 2022. The idea of female contribution to the wine industry, it's not new. Women are everywhere, and it takes both men and women to make the Italian wine the great success that it is today. Even looking at these seven panelists, there are many other exceptional women who could also be here today. But when we began talking about this panel, some names were immediately on the tip of the tongue, and we're very pleased to have you all here. Thank you for doing that. Many studies over the last several decades have suggested that women are better communicators. They use more words and more expressive words, that they have a greater ability to listen and to empathize. Our panelists are not specifically or exclusively communicators. They're winery leaders, winery founders, winemakers, and in our opinion, all around trailblazers. And so we wanted to have them here to tell their stories, but also to hear how they tell their stories. We especially felt it was time for this in light of the pandemic when we all had to pivot to find new ways to connect and communicate and to continue the business of wine. Today, we're going to be focusing not only on these seven great producers and their selected wines, but also three primary themes, territory, wine ambassadors, and legacy and family. And I think we're going to hear some really interesting insights along the way. To explain very quickly about the format, after Monica and I formally introduce each of our panelists, the tasting and presentation will be in three groups or flights. We'll taste three wines blind in the first group and then two in the second and the third. And in between each, we're going to ask for the audience to participate by guessing which wine has been poured blind. But of course, you're all very great tasters, and I'm sure it'll be educated guesses. But then we will ask some questions kind of along the theme of each group and hear from the producers individually. Um, they'll be answering not only our questions, but telling us why they selected the particular wine and sharing their stories. Um, so I think we can kind of go right into our introductions, and Monica is going to introduce Elisabetta. All right, so our first producer is the wonderful Elisabetta Foradori. The massive drama of the Italian Alps with its jagged peaks and snowy-capped mountains meets a softer landscape with apple orchards and hillside vineyards in the region of Trentino. It is at this crazy intersection of vertical versus horizontal, Mediterranean versus continental, Italy versus Europe, that we find little pockets of creative thinking and out-of-the-box innovation. Elisabetta Foradori and her family create groundbreaking wines that push the boundaries and rewrite all the rules. Her winemaking philosophy has, from the very beginning, incorporated sustainability, biodiversity, biodynamics, and the use of alternative vessels like amphora. These qualities came naturally and fully organically to Elisabetta. Her logo is the pomegranate flute, and there is a tree just by the heavy wooden doors that lead to her fermentation room at the winery. On a symbolic level, the pomegranate represents many little ideas, hundreds of tiny seeds packed together neatly into one beautiful container. That's exactly what we get with Elisabetta's wines. 
Welcome, Elisabetta. Okay, and now I'd like to inter introduce Ariana Occhipinti. My first trip to Sicily was about 10 years ago, and at the time, Ariana's wines already had quite a following in the U.S. I was really looking forward to meeting her. But first, I visited her uncle, Giusto Occhipinti, at Coast Winery the day before seeing her. He told me a story about Ariana as a teenager, this small young woman on a big tractor driving through her hometown wearing a cowboy hat, completely fearless. And that image has always stuck with me because I think it says a lot about Ariana and her path in the wine world. There's a little bit of kind of the Wild West in there, and she's an explorer and somebody who has a lot of drive and passion. After working with her uncle and going to analogy school, she started out in 2004 making just one cask of wine, putting all of her dreams and all of her then very much shoestring budget into that first wine. Today, she makes 10 different bottlings, and along the way, Ariana has become a poster child, not only for Sicily's Renaissance, but also for natural wines as she explored non-interventionist winemaking, and a protagonist for production from native varieties, and of course, for young winemakers to chase their dreams, especially female winemakers. Thank you, Ariana, for being here today. The next winemaker that we would like to introduce is Chiara Boskis. Barolo is a wine of great humanity, thanks to its legacy and long history that ties Italy to the great winemaking traditions of France and the rest of the world. It is known as the king of Italian wines, and for very good reason. At its heart is the Nebbiolo grape, this finicky, late-ripening varietal that is both robust and delicate at the same time. It is generous, but yet it holds itself back to age over the long haul. It is a wine that offers immediate personality, but it is also fluid, ever-shifting, and changing over the course of its bottle evolution. On one of my first visits to Kiarabowski's in the little town of Barolo, I remember finding a little patch of daisies growing right outside her cellar door. I went inside with her and she gave me a tour past her old barrels and the ancient walls. I was struck by her passion. At the time, she told me about her efforts to lobby local producers to make sure that the entire Canubi crew in Barolo could become a fully organic vineyard. I always think of those daisies when I come back to visit Karaboski's now. I look for them in that little patch of grass. Her wines shine bright against the profound elegance, depth, austerity, and pedigree that is Barolo. She makes three expressions, one from Canubi in Barolo, one from the Mosconi crew in Monforte d'Alba, and she has a blended wine called Via Nuova that sees fruit from Barolo, from the Terlo and Lista vineyards, Monforte d'Alba from the Ravera and Mosconi vineyards, and Serra Lunga d'Alba from the Gabuti and Baudana vineyards. Thank you, and back to you, Alison. Thank you, Monica. And next, I'd like to introduce Meralisa Alangrini. And as with Ariana, I have a mental picture of Meralisa that always stays with me. It's her dashing across the lawns of her family's Villa de la Torre property, running towards a waiting helicopter that was ready to whisk her away to Tuscany. And not to make all of you think that she's a rock star, um, but well, yes, yeah, she is kind of a rock star. 
Although she is just as passionate and knowledgeable about the wine production as her winemaker brother, Franco, when her father passed away suddenly in the early 1980s, her path changed. Her role was to leave the winery behind and to travel the world communicating about Amarone and Allegrini. 20 years later, Marilisa saw the opportunity to expand, to explore new expressions of Italian terroir. She was the drive behind purchasing and renewing first Poggio Altasoro in Bulgari, and shortly after, San Polo in Montalcino. She's an incredible businesswoman and professional, a tireless ambassador for Italian wine, a fashionista, and a mentor for many. Welcome, Marilisa. The next producer we'd like to introduce is Elena Fucci. I have a soft spot for Lucania, or Basilicata, as the region is more commonly known. I have danced Pizzica and Tarantella under a starry nights, eaten my fair share of dried red peppers called Peperoni Kruski, and little meatballs called Numarid at town fairs that celebrate local saints, some Christian, some outright pagan, with mind-bending twists that are unique to southern Italy. I have bought into the local superstitions, belief in spells, witches, and old traditions. Believe me, for a time in my life, I was deep into Basilicata. I will forever love Elena Fucci's wines because they are so perfect, they so perfectly reflect the infinite charms and magic of her volcanic wine region. If a wine is meant to impart a sense of place, Elena Aglianico transports me directly to the Vulture with all of its secrets and treasures waiting to be discovered. But Elena's overall contribution to Italian wine is far more important. She has energized an entire generation of winemakers in her region, many of them young women. She has inspired them to make great wines and build a robust wine appellation founded on quality and understanding of international markets. She has brought Basilicata to the world stage. Thank you. And next, I'd like to introduce Elviera Antonori. Um, I don't know exactly when I first met Elviera, but I do remember that I was relatively new to covering Italian wines, so a bit younger, um, and certainly impressed to be meeting Elviera Antonori. And out of the whole world of Antonori wine, and it's nearly two dozen estates, what did she want to discuss? Tenuta Montanisa, Antonori's property in Franciacorta. Alvira knew of my love for champagne and sparkling wines, and she immediately found a way to connect with me over this passion while still communicating the Antonori story. And I think it's a fine example of the way Alvira has navigated her leadership of one of Italy's wine giants, Antonori. She assumed her role as president in 2017, while her father, Marchese Piero Antonori, is still quite active. It is Albiera and her sisters, Allegra and Alessia, who are out front today. Antonori is one of Italy's traditional pillars, but Albiera has helped to modernize it in many ways, including directing the construction of Antonori's impressive new Chianti Classical cellar, which opened in 2013. And the scope of her work now goes well beyond the Tuscany, Solaya, and Tignanello. The Antonori footprint explores terroir and great varieties around the world, from Chile to California to Washington State in the United States, and in regions throughout Italy. And Albiera seamlessly oversees it all. Welcome, Albiera. 
The next presentation is for Priscilla Inciza della Rocchetta. Priscilla is the first to tell you that she is part of a team. She is one component in a complicated mosaic that makes one of the greatest wines on earth. Her grandfather and her father before her, Nicolò Inciso della Rocchetta, would create a wine for friends, Sassicaia, with the first commercial vintage being 1968. The blend of Cabernet Sauvignon with a little bit of Cabernet Franc ushered in a new wave of wines that would completely change the dynamic and the future of Italian fine wine. All wine in Italy is born from Sassicaia in some way, one producer once told me, and I believe this to be true. Sassicaia has started a new chapter for Italy that brings Italian wine to the forefront of the great collectors and great wine list of the world. Tenuta San Guido is located in Bulgari on the coast of Tuscany. In this special area that faces the Tyrrhenian Sea, light is reflected off the water surface and onto the mountains where the vineyards grow. Sassicaia is the ultimate Italian legend and icon. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Italian Wine Podcast, brought to you by Vinitaly International Wine and Spirits Exhibition, the biggest drinks trade fair in the world. Save the date, the next edition of Vinitaly will be held the 2nd through the 5th of April 2023. Remember to subscribe to Italian Wine Podcast and catch us on SoundCloud, Spotify, and wherever you get your pods. You can also find us at italianwinepodcast.com. Cin cin! I'm Joy Livingston, and I am the producer of the Italian Wine Podcast. Thank you for listening. We are the only wine podcast that has been doing a daily show since the pandemic began. This is a labor of love, and we are committed to bringing you free content every day. Of course, this takes time and effort, not to mention the cost of equipment, production, and editing. We would be grateful for your donations, suggestions, requests, and ideas. For more information on how to get in touch, go to italianwinepodcast.com.